Um, <clears throat> it's a common occurrence, so you should be used to it by now that every time I stand up here that I ask you to put on your spiritual thinking camps and cloak yourself in spiritual imagination as I, we're going to go down. A, is it really a kind of, that's, it's, okay. If Sean says it's a strange, trippy road, it is a strange, trippy road that we're going to go on. But it's good, I promise you. So we've been in this sermon series for the last few weeks. Uh, the beginning is near. And uh, last weekend, uh, Ross preached to us that the beginning is here. And I am to preach to you that the beginning is now. Right now, this very second, on this this uh, New Year's Eve, here we are, the beginning is now. So, I uh, just want to make sure that everything works, yes. Oh, okay. And uh, so, wanted to kind of set the tone for us. In Isaiah 43, 19, it says, I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And that verse is no more evident than what is going on right here, right now. New walls are getting taped and nails are getting covered and there's texture going on and the space is kind of coming down and, and uh, getting finished. You know, it's getting enclosed. You can, you can see where the, the actual space is now. You can discern it. You can, you can feel it. Soon there will be doors and paint and new carpet and new tile. Sean will have a, a new office and we will not see um, his menagerie, his menagerie out here. But he'll have a sliding door with a little sliding window there so he can peek out. We'll have stained glass windows from a church that is closed. The beginning is now. And it's no more evident here in this space than right now. So, how am I going to share that with you? Well, by this. This is called the Maraud Altarpiece. It was painted by Robert Campin in 1422, thereabouts. He is a painter from the Netherlands. This is at the beginning of the Renaissance. So there's a whole lot of new things uh, in the way of painting that are taking place in this. Um, this particular piece now sits in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City in their Cloisters Museum. They have a little museum in the Cloisters that that you can see it. Um, it measures 25 inches by 24 inches, the middle piece. And you can see it's not very big at all. Um, it would have sat at an altar in a church and only opened on Sundays. So, uh, and uh, it's a, a oil painting painted on oak. The side panels measure 25 inches by 10 and a half inches. You can see it's, you know, as that man standing close, it's really, it's really kind of a small piece. And it's amazing that as small as it is, how detailed it is. It's very, very detailed. Uh, the first panel is um, these people right here that are on their knees and peeking into this little doorway here. 
this is Jan or Peter Elbreck or Engelbreck, uh, which his last name means Angel, Angel Brings, and his uh, wife-to-be, they're not married yet when this uh, painting is painted, uh, her name is Margaret Screenmaker, and that means cabinet maker. So uh, Angel Brings, cabinet maker, it's kind of a serious double entendre here going on. Um, that this panel, uh, it, it's dripping in, uh, this whole painting is dripping in symbolism, like I said before. The, the co- enclosed courtyard means that, uh, uh, Mary is, uh, uh, fertile and that she's pure. And that also the fertility is also, uh, here with the violets and the strawberries. But, uh, and you notice, if you, if you're kind of really paying attention, the perspective in this painting is kind of off, and that is because the perspective is brand new. Perspective drawing, perspective painting is less than a hundred years old when this painting is painted. Um, the middle panel is about the Annunciation of Mary. Um, it too, and this panel has actually got the most symbolism in it of all three panels. Um, and it's set in a modern setting. So we see the angel Gabriel. He's kind of got a modern robe on. We see Mary. She's in red, uh, which this is kind of new and different. She's reading a book of hours. This is the first time that Mary's ever been painted with a book in her hands, and she's reading. And the book of hours was a book of prayer that you would read on the hour. You would pick it up every hour of the day that you were awake, and you would read a certain prayer at a certain time. Um, we see the presence of God in this by the ruffling of the pages of the Bible and also by the blown-out candle and the smoke from the wick. Uh, the Eucharist is represented by this uh, uh, cloisonne or, or uh, majolica pitcher that's right here, and then the lilies also represent um, Mary's fertility and her pureness as well. That's also represented by this white towel and this basin of water that too represents um, Mary, but there's all this kind of stuff. There's something else that's taking place in this painting. Does anybody see it? Sean, keep your mouth shut. Here's a bigger version of it. Maybe this will help. The little baby Jesus is coming through the window to come into Mary's womb. And he's carrying a cross. So he's right over there. So, uh, if you didn't know this about me, um, I'm an art history major at New Mexico State. I'm on the uh, lifelong journey to get a degree. And uh, someday, uh, maybe when... Seth's graduates will walk across the stage together. Uh, but uh, that's why I wanted to share this with you is because I enjoy art history and, well, funky, groovy things. And so this is kind of a funky, groovy thing. But the painting that I really wanted to focus on in this is this panel, the last panel. It's a painting of Joseph. He is a carpenter. Uh, he's in his workshop. It's in a modern setting, and we know that because we can see a modern city in the background, and then you see this bench with the lattice. That's something that's new. And then we can also tell by the tools that are here and then here on the floor and the drill that he's holding in his hand. Let's look at a bigger version. So he's got modern-day tools, like I said, and modern-day nails. 
And he's drilling into this board. He's putting some repetitive holes in. And uh, he's got a saw, and he's got a rod, and he's got an axe, and um, he's got a piece of wood. We also know that it's modern because these are modern shoes. Even though he's wearing something that we perceive to be an Abba, something that Jesus would have worn in a turban and whatnot, um, the shoes are a dead giveaway that he is in a modern setting. So um, does anybody know what, uh, so like I said, the axe, the rod, and the saw. Does anybody know what a rod is? It's a measurement tool. To measure what? Length. Length of what? So what a rod is, you're right, kind of. The rod is, it's a repetitive measurement. So something that you're going to measure over and over and over again. So like if you're building a wall, you would stick it into the ground and it'd have these measurements on it to where you would put the next brick. So as you, because it's also known as a story pole. Uh, Fern, you didn't know? Oh. In carpentry, including stair building, framing, timber framing, siding, brickwork, and setting of tiles. So it's got a measurement on it so that you're repeating the same work. So when you get to the, to the end, you flip it you know, so that you can repeat the same work again and again. I wanted to know, you know, thy rod and thy staff come from me. I wanted to know what the rod was. So I went down the rabbit hole for you, and now you know. But this, uh, this painting is based on this verse, this panel. Shall the axe vaunt itself over the one who wields it? Or the saw magnify itself against the one who handles it, as if a rod should raise the one who lifts it up, or as if a staff should lift the one who is not wood. So, uh, what is Joseph making? What did you say again? A what? A pegboard. Well, that's not too far off. In the last service, it was a Chinese checkers board. Well, it is right here. He's making one right there. And there's also one in the window right there. It's a mousetrap. He's making a mousetrap. And why is the mousetrap in the window? Does anybody know? So that's, that's, this is a reproduction, but that's exactly what it is that he's making right there. I, and I did find one, Tyler, with a mouse in it, dead, like it actually worked. But I thought that was too gross to show you guys. Why is he building a mousetrap? This is the beginning of the bubonic plague. It's not, it hasn't reached bubonic, the sickness, has reached Europe, but we're not to plague status yet. So they do have a concern over mice. But we have a mousetrap in the window. That would be an odd place to put a mousetrap. So have, okay, so take a time out here. So have any of you guys heard of this theological uh, thought? It's called 
I'm going to try to see if I can say this without looking at it. Crux mus... Oh, i got to look at it. Uh, well, here's another way of saying it. Christus Victor. Has anybody heard of that? Christus Victor. Well, yes, but it's, it's much deeper you know, than that. So let me read it to you. Crux musiopula diabola. Diaboli. Christ is the devil's mousetrap. He's building a mousetrap to catch the devil. But God brings us Christ to catch the devil. That's the, the school of thought that's going on here. This is a theological idea that has been around at this point in time when this painting was painted for a thousand years. Uh, St. Augustine, I'm sure many of you have heard of, St. Augustine of Hippo, who was probably the first like theologian philosopher of a brand new religion called Christianity in about 375-400. Um, the church is brand new. It's just been accepted by the Roman Empire. And he is building on the foundation of the apostles and the disciples of expanding the thoughts that are now floating around about Christianity. And this thought dominates for a thousand years. We think about Christ being the ultimate mousetrap. At the time that this painting is painted, there's something new that takes place in painting, which is Jesus is painted on the cross, if not naked, at least with just a loincloth to represent that he's as naked as he possibly can be. And that is because when Jesus, naked on the cross, makes him the perfect bait for the devil. We think too much. Tyler Burge, I love you to death, but you think too much. And crux, uh, the Christus Victor, the crux mea sculpa diabola, and I'm totally, my Latin is way bad because I don't know it. Um, That thought is about what happened. Now, and no fault to yours, Tyler. Um, What's happening in the Renaissance? What's happening in the Renaissance is now we're painting in a new way. We're drawing in a new way. We've, We've created perspective. We've figured out architecturally how to finish things. The Duomo in Florence has finally got a a dome on it after like 400 years of, of nobody knowing how they wanted to put a dome on it, but they didn't know how to. It's finally got a dome, a dome on it. Imagine being the priest at the altar, standing there in the sunlight in the or in the rain, you know, blessing the Eucharist, blessing communion, you know, because there's nothing above you. Well, now there's a, there's a dome there. We're, we're drawing in new ways. We're painting in new ways. We're using new colors, a brand new color. It's in this painting. Nope. 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 Blue. Blue. And blue is the most expensive color paint in the world at this point in time. Can anybody tell me what the most expensive dye was up until this point in time? What? Purple. Purple. 
purple. Purple was the most expensive dye. So so in that, when we're doing all these new things, we start to think in new ways, right? We go from what to how. And for the last uh, 600, 700 years, we spent more time thinking about how did it happen instead of what happened. Last week, we came to church to celebrate Christmas Eve, the birth of Christ. Does it matter that the manger may have been a lean-to up against a building? Does it matter that the manger may have been a cave? Does it matter that the manger may have been some something far away? Does it matter that the N mean no longer means N? It means home. Does it matter that the sheep that the shepherds were tending to were temple sheep or that they were just normal sheep full of blemish, full of faults, full of sin? Does it matter? What matters is what happened, not how it happened. And so those people of the early church just focused on the what. Christ is born today. Amen. How about this what? Does it matter that someday Christ is going to grow up and ride a donkey into Jerusalem over palm branches? preach four days of amazing sermons. Gather crowds that he's never gathered before. And then on a night, he's going to sit down with a bunch of sinners, a bunch of betrayers, and a bunch of deniers. It doesn't matter how he did it. Jesus. Jesus in this painting is painted as the best mousetrap that could, you know. We've spent the last 700 years trying to build a better mousetrap. And we might have possibly succeeded. I just thought of that right now. Because we spend too much time, how? How do we do this? How do we do that? How, 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 instead of what? And so I offer you this. What if Jesus is the better mousetrap to capture our souls, to capture us? And if he captures us, then it doesn't matter about the devil. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son
that who so shall so ever believe in him shall have everlasting life forever. That's the what. Who cares about the how and the why and the where and the when? Let us take the time this new year this last day of 2017, let's take the time, some time, and then more time in 2018 to just sit down, close our eyes, take a deep breath, let it out slowly, listen to the quiet, And think about what happened. Amen.